Well, we're continuing a sermon series on membership, and so we're asking the question, what is, what is a healthy church member? Uh, and so this is the fifth week that we're in this uh, particular sermon series. Next week will, Lord willing, be the last one, uh, and then we'll begin transitioning to looking at, at biblical leadership, okay? But, but we're continuing on this theme of what is healthy church membership, and if you haven't been with us, we've, we've, we've laid out some pretty basic uh, aspects or characteristics of healthy church members. And, and the whole premise is if you want a healthy church, you have to have healthy church members. And so that's what I'm calling myself. I'm calling us to be healthy church members. And so we looked at a functioning church member, someone who's healthy is a functioning church member, uh, someone who's healthy is a unifying church member, someone who's healthy is a selfless church member, someone who's, he- who's healthy is a praying church member. And then this week we're going to look at um, and it, it throws the wording off, but church members are those who lead by example. And so we're going to look at church members, healthy church members, are those who lead by example. Now, if, if you've been reading along in the book that we, that we provided for you, uh, chapter five in the book was simply titled, I Will Lead My Family to Be Healthy Church Members. Um, but again, kind of like last week, I, I want to expand that because I, I think there's a, a bigger call there. And so I want to widen the lens and look at not just how you can be a be leading your family to be healthy church members, but how you can lead everyone in your life, whoever it is, whoever's been put in your life, you can lead to be healthy church members, which, which certainly includes your family, but is not limited to your family. And also the reality is why, why we're kind of expanding it is that not everyone has the same family unit. Not every family is the same. I mean, some of you have only you and your spouse. Some of you have lost your spouse or you're not married, and so it's only you. And you say, well, I don't have a family unit. What are, how's this helpful for me? Some of, some of us have young kids. Some of you have older kids, college-age kids, or adult kids. Some of you have grandkids or great-grandkids, and some of you live with them. And then some of you are probably not even in any of those categories. So just recognizing there are many different dynamics when it comes to family units. And so just simply by expanding the scope, my point is going to be that regardless of your family situation, so whatever it is, you can lead others to be healthy church members by your example. So no matter, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you are called to be an example. In other words, your life, your example, is going to lead people. And, and, and in fact, it's going to lead either towards healthy church membership or away from healthy church membership. Your example is leading people in one of those two ways. And so the question isn't whether or not you're leading your, it's not whether or not you are leading by example. The way you live has influence whether you want it to or not. So the question is what direction is your example leading in? Okay, so, so I, just, I want us all to consider that question together. I mean, for instance, if you have church members who constantly complain about things in the church or who constantly talk about issues and struggles of the church with those outside of the church. We have the church members who never seem to enjoy being at church or serving the church. We have those church members who, for whom church attendance and participation is, is kind of like the last resort on Sunday mornings. So if I'm not out of town, if I'm awake, if the Redskins aren't on at one, if there's nothing else, well, well then I'll be at church. Right? So, so that's, that example is, is leading people. Church members who act one way at church but differently while in the community. Church members who talk to church members one way but to friends a different way. Church members who talk to one person like they're a friend and then go talk to someone else about them as if they're an enemy. Or church members who 
rail against homosexuality but harbor racism in their heart. Or church members who rail against disrespectful young people but are constantly grumbling and complaining. The list could go on. Some of you may know these people. If you don't know them, maybe you are these people. Uh, But my point is simply, these church members are setting an example. It's an example. And the example is either leading away from the church, leading away from even an interest in the church. And on this path, even more than that, they're leading away from Christ himself, who's the head of the church, so that even an interest in Christ is squelched and a love for Christ is, is eliminated by these examples. And we don't want that. So, so we want our examples to lead the other way. We want to lead towards a love for Christ, towards a love for his church. And so if you're a Christian, you're setting an example. And so today I just want to challenge all of us, myself included, as church members to set examples that lead others towards a love for church and a love for Christ. We are called to be ambassadors. We are his representatives. And as his representatives, brother or sister, if you're a Christian, you're called to be Christ-like. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be Christ-like, which means being faithful and loving and kind and encouraging and gentle, and the list goes on. We're called to be these things, but we're also called to flee and repent of other things like inconsistent testimonies or hypocrisy or self-righteousness or anger or pride. We're, We're called to flee those, run away from those. And so my call this morning is to use our lives, our examples, to lead people towards a love for Christ and a love for his church, to be healthy church members and to lead by example. And so that's, that's, that's the, the thesis, and that's where we're going. So, so let's, let's pray here as we begin, and let's ask for, for God to help uh, us realize that purpose this morning. Let's pray. Now, Father, in a, in a message like this, our failures are sure to, to come to the forefront of our minds. And so I pray that, that though we are confronted or convicted Lord, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave discouraged. I pray that you would convict us, convict me where I need to be convicted, but also point us to the great hope that we have in Christ, that because what he's done for us, our guilt does not stick with us, but rather our guilt reminds us that it's been paid for by a substitute on the cross, and so may we flee to him and, and return to him. So, so help, us, help us to use our lives for your purposes. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as we, as we go through our outline, there, there's basically three points. Uh, and, and these are kind of three specific arenas, if you will, that we're going to focus on. And these are three specific arenas in which we can all be examples. And so uh, th- this sermon is going to be a lot of questions, and I'm not intending for you to answer them. Right? These are rhetorical questions. So I, I just want you to consider, how am I being an example? I mean, I just want you to be asking yourself. I've been asking myself this question all week. How am I being an example? And so the three areas that we're going to work through, we're going to look first at leading by example in the home. Then we're going to see leading by example in the church. And then leading by example in the community. So these are the three areas or arenas that we can lead by example. Now, before I, I begin with the first point, the call to be examples, I want to mention the two kind of New Testament texts, the passages that I see this example at work. Okay, so I once preached a sermon where I didn't have a, a biblical text, and a church member called me and said, hey, I don't care what you have to say if you don't show me in the Bible. And so I just want to show you the two, two passages, the two verses where, where this is at work. And the first one is 1 Timothy 4.12. And so the Apostle Paul, he's writing to his young protege, Timoth- Timothy, who's leading the church. 
And Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth, but rather, here's his call to Timothy, set the believers an example. Set the believers an example. And he says, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so there, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he calls Timothy, who he is, he's a young leader in the church, but he calls him to set an example for the believers in those specific areas. And I'm saying that Paul's call to Timothy is not limit, limited only to church leaders. I'm saying that, that you and me as church members are called in a similar way to set an example for others, whether it's our family or other believers or our neighbors. And so the context of the example is different, but the call is the same. Our lives are called to be an example to others. And then the second passage in 1 Corinthians 11, it's, it's the first verse of 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul, he's not writing to a specific leader now. Now he's writing to the church at Corinth. So it's a, a New Testament church. And Paul writes to them, to the entire church. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul writes to the entire church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Another translation says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so Paul is calling the Christians to follow a pattern. And Paul, this pattern that is established is... My Christ-like example ought to be imitated, is what Paul is saying. So it's not a stretch to say that every Christian is called to set a Christ-like example that is imitable. Right? Every Christian ought to be imitable as far as they are following Christ. This is how Christian discipleship works. This is how the Christian witness works. People ought to see Christianity. Right? Christ- people ought to see Christian practice in the lives of Christians. And so I want us this morning to be asking ourselves, what kind of example am I setting? Could I confidently, here's a question, could I confidently, with Paul, call others in my Sunday school class, in my place of work, in my neighborhood, could I call others confidently to follow my example? And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard question to ask if you want to know the real answer. So I want us to ask that question as we work through. So the first arena we're going to look for, or look through, is leading by example at the home, or in the home, at home. So the first arena for our focus is for the church member at home. Now, again, I realize that every home circumstance is different. So, so, I, so I want to paint with, with broad brushes. I want to I I lay out broad principles. Um, but also, as we work through this, I want to, I want to address as many, as, speci- as many specific situations as I can. And so, so the question to ask is, how ought we to lead by example at home? Now, first, we need to establish the fact that you are an example setter in your home. Right now, I realize for some of you, you're the only person in your residence, and in those cases, you're not a regular example in your home. So if you're the only one, you can't really be an example to yourself, you, you're yourself, right? But even in those situations, you can still benefit because I would hope that at some point, others come into your home, whether friends or, or family or neighbors, others enter into your home, and in those examples, you are an example of those, to those in your home. And so you may have to adjust these applications a bit, but there's still benefit for, for every follower of Christ here. And so for most of you in your home, you're either a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, a child, a sibling, a grandchild, or a roommate. And in all of these cases, and maybe some of you are, are multi- multiple, um, multiple uh, roles at the same time, but in all these cases, you are in relationship with other people in your home. And these other ones in your home, I want you to think about them. Those other people in your home are the ones who see your example. They're the ones who know you. They're the ones who know you better actually than anyone else. 
And in fact, those people that know you like that know when you're putting on and when you're being yourself. They can tell when you're, when you're being a fake version of yourself because they know you. In fact, one, one of the curses and blessings of the family unit or of those living in close uh, proximity, it's hard to fool those, who you, those you live with. You may fool other people, but it's hard to fool your spouse or your kids because they see you act and they hear you talk and they, they know your habits. They have a privileged perspective on you in your life. And, and this is especially true of spouses. It's especially true of spouses. I mean, you see it time and time again when marriages turn ugly. When they turn, and I mean really ugly, it often involves deep hurt and pain because spouses have intimate knowledge about one another. And so when you want to hurt someone, you have, you have all the ammunition against your spouse. And so that's when, when marriages turn ugly, it gets really ugly because there's an intimacy there. And you can tend to use that intimate knowledge to hurt and shame the other. That's, that's not how it ought to be, but that just shows the dynamic. Those who you live with know you well, and it's those that I'm calling us to set an example before. And so the call is for us not to fool those we live with, but to lead those we live with by our example. So, so don't think, well, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta start pretending to fool those. No, just, just be real, be yourself, be a Christian in your home. And so the first group of people I want to address are the men. And so if you're here, you're a dad. You should hear me say that you are the primary example setter in your home, dad. If you're a husband, Husband, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been married, you are the primary example setter in your home. And so dad, husband, ask yourself, what kind of example am I setting? Think about those that you're closest to. Think about your kids and your wife. What what is your life telling them and showing them? What does your speech and conduct say to them? What example are you setting? What example are you setting? Ask yourself, I mean, here's a question. And again, I'm a father and a husband, so so I'm asking myself this question. If my wife and my kids followed my example, if they did what they saw me doing, not just what I'm saying, but if they lived in accordance with my example, what would their relationship with God be like? What would their relationship with the local church be like? How would they live if they were following my every example? I mean, what, what am I showing them or telling them that is important to me? What gets me the most upset? Because that's setting an example also. What do you find pleasure in? How do you spend your free time? I mean, just ask, how, how do my wife and my kids think about the church? And how do they think about God? And what do they think about Jesus? What do they know about Jesus? And these are challenging questions to ask, but they're necessary questions because we as men are called to lead our families. We as Christian men, as church members, are called to lead. And we do so by example. And so dad, husband, are you leading your family? Are you leading your family by your speech and your conduct to love Christ? Are you leading them to love his church? Are you leading them by your speech and your actions to be healthy church members? Maybe a better question. Dad, husband, are you a healthy church member? If you're not a healthy church member, chances are your kids and your wife won't be either. And so there's responsibility, dad, husband, man, lead. Lead your families. But it's not just the men, right? Ladies, you're not off the hook. Ladies, whether, whether wives or moms, what kind of example are you setting for your family? 
I mean, moms of children, what do your kids see you prioritizing? What messages are you sending to them? What, what do they see as important to you? Do you look at your phone more than you look at them? I mean, that, that's an example of what's important. What do you do to encourage your kids, to build them up? Wives of husbands who aren't Christians. I mean, that, that's, that's a situation that some of you live in, I know. So if your husband is a non-believer, what example are you setting for your husband? Do the ways that you talk about the church or interact with the church ensure that he's gonna stay away from Christ in the church? What is your testimony before your unbelieving husband? Does your husband or do your kids witness inconsistencies between your church life and your home life? That, that, that will not endear them to the church. What kind of priority, priorities are you setting in your home? Again, it's just, this is moms and dads and husbands and wives, but these same types of questions could be asked for every category of person. I mean, just apply to your situation accordingly. What kind of example are you setting for those in your home, grandkids, whatever the case may be? I mean, another question related to last week's message on praying, how often does your family pray together? Do, they pray, do you pray for the church together? Do you pray for church members together? Do you pray for the things that we talked about church members should be praying for last week? Our lives ought to be leading those in our families, in our homes, to care about Christ and his church. And so the question that I just want to ask is, what kind of example are you setting? Now, before we go any further, I just want to be the first to admit that we cannot set perfect examples, okay? So, so hear me say that. I am not a perfect father or husband. Hear me say that, okay? I, I don't want to come down with a hard hammer and then feel like I'm doing it perfectly. I'm not. So when it comes to my conduct in my speech, there are going to be moments, times where I fail to set the example that I ought. So there are going to be times this coming week where I fail to do what I've just called you to do. And you should know that. I'm going to fail. Hopefully you know that about me. Hopefully you're, you're real with that about yourself. However, even in my failings, and this is what I want to, the point I want to make clear, even in my failings, I have an opportunity to set an example the example that I set in the face of my failure to be a good example is just as powerful, if not more powerful, than my example of avoiding failure. I'll say that again. I have an opportunity to set an example in my failure. The example I set in the face of my failure to be a good example is just as powerful, if not more powerful, than my example of avoiding failure. So failure prevents me, presents me with an unparalleled opportunity to be an example so in the face of our shortcomings, in the face of our failures, our responses ought to be those of acknowledgement and repentance. When my conduct or my speech is unfitting of a Christian husband or dad or neighbor, whether it's yelling at my kids, whether it's ignoring the needs of my wife, whether it's neglecting the needs of others, whether it's failing to prioritize church involvement, whatever the case may be, when my actions are that, when I fail, my next steps our confession and repentance. I own my failures and I, I repent of them. I apologize. That is an example that I ought to set. And so moms, dads, grandparents, siblings, when's the last time someone in your household heard you say that you were sorry? Setting a good example in the home means acknowledging when you've fallen short, acknowledging when you've sinned, when you've wronged those that you care about. It means apologizing I mean, I want my wife 
and my kids to hear me say I'm sorry as many times as is necessary. And it's going to be a lot for me. But I want them to hear it as many times as I sin against them or I sin in their presence. I want them to hear me acknowledge it. I mean, I want my kids to hear me apologize to them so often that they grow up wondering if my name is Daddy or if my name is Sorry. I want them to hear, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, as often as it's needed. Some days it's going to be more than others, some days less than others, some weeks more than others, but I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm above acknowledging when I failed my family. That's part of leading them well. And so don't hear me say that perfection is the expectation. Part of my example setting speech and conduct is confession and repentance of owning my shortcomings. And so spouse, grandparent, parent, own up to your mistakes. Apologize, ask forgiveness from those in your household. Genuine humility is one of the most powerful examples that a Christian can set. And genuine genuine humility is an example that every Christian ought to set. So last last group I'll address here, if you're a parent or a grandparent with grown kids, and that's many of you, maybe you think you've missed the boat Maybe you didn't set the best example and you, and, you, and you feel guilty, like I missed the boat. We should have done better. I should have been a better parent. I sometimes wonder, I mean, in our church, why, why aren't more kids and grandkids of this church still in the church? They're not here. I don't know why. Maybe it's the example set by parents, grandparents. I don't know. But if you feel like you've missed the boat and failed to be the example you ought to have been, if you feel like you failed your kids or grandkids, You should hear me say, one, that it's too late to do over. You can't go back. You can't undo what's been done. But it's not too late to say you're sorry. If you feel like you failed your kids, you ought to tell your kids that. You ought to acknowledge your shortcomings. Take a chance. Reach out and apologize and own up to it. It's already happened. You can't undo it, but you can change how it's dealt with going forward. And so you ought to be examples to those in our homes, in our families. Well, the second arena that we're going to look at is in the church. So not only are we called to lead by example in our homes, we're also called to lead by example in our church. And so the question to ask under the second point is simply, am I setting a good example for the other members of this church? Am I setting an example in the life of this church that others ought to be emulating? Is my conduct and my speech worth imitating within the life of the church? Am I an exemplary church member? And and I want to especially here highlight speech. Is my speech an example to those other church members in this body? Is the way that you talk in our church to other church members, is it Christ-like? Is it worthy of imitation? And would you have a problem with your kids or your grandkids talking about others in the church the way that you do? Would you have a problem with someone else talking about you the way you talk about others? Is your speech worthy of imitation? Do you want others to follow your example? Is the way that you talk, or I talk about the church, or the way I talk about our church, other church members helpful? Do do my words build up and encourage and edify? I want to emphasize this, but because... This is an area that, that every church can grow in, but, but I think our church, I think we can grow in this. I think I can grow in this. And I say this because some of the things that I've heard said by members of this church about other members of this church are, are wrong, best case, 
Downright sinful worst case. And that's wrong. It should not be. If you're a church member, you should never talk about another church member in a way that is demeaning or destructive or mocking or angry. None of these. You shouldn't talk about others to your family, to your Sunday school class, to your committee, to your friends. No one in this way about other church members. I've heard church members talk about one another in this church in ways that my non-Christian friends wouldn't even talk about each other. That's both telling and wrong, evil. And so when it comes to setting an example in the church, I want to specifically challenge us as a body, as members in our speech. The way we talk about other church members and the way we talk about the church itself I want us to talk about others and I want us to talk about this church in God-honoring ways. We're to listen. So, so we want to use our words, our speech in God-honoring ways, but we also want, I want us to use our ears in God-honoring ways, which means that refusing to give an ear to those who would want to say things that shouldn't be said. And so, so yeah, I want us to talk positively and not negatively, but I also want us to refuse to listen to those who would want to say things that shouldn't be said. And this is one thing I have not done well at. And so I want you to hear me saying this. I'm committing to do this. I want to refuse to have listening ears to things that should not be said. And I, and I would hope that all of you would join me in committing to do this. I want us to simply refuse to be listening ears for destructive talkers, for, for the gossipers. Refuse to listen. And so when, some, when someone comes up to you and starts talking negatively or sinfully about others or the church, kindly, lovingly, tell them to stop. Stop talking. And simply inform them, you're not listening to that. If you get the, even the hint that, no, I shouldn't be listening to this, just please stop. Please stop talking. I don't want to listen to that. I mean, I thought about it, just like you don't want to put, you don't want to watch inappropriate movies Right? I mean, so our kids, when we're watching television, so the Super Bowl comes on and we say, hey, we're not watching the Super Bowl. I don't want my kids' eyes to see things that are on television. I don't want my eyes to see things that are on television. So I guard my eyes. The same thing goes for your ears. Guard your ears. You ought to refuse to listen to inappropriate things. Honor God with your ears. There's no room for destructive gossip among members of a local church. And so I say this because, because I love you, but I say this because I, I can't do this. We can't have this. We have to stop for the unity of the church, right? The church is at stake here. And, and the good news is one thing I've learned is that negative talkers just want ears. And when they realize that your ears are closed, they'll stop coming to you. And the more ears they find closed in the church, they're either going to stop talking, which is the best case scenario, or they're going to leave and find another church filled with listeners, which will actually prove that following Christ is not high on their list of priorities. And so just refuse to listen, and talkers will stop talking. And so we set an example by refusing to listen to destructive speech, and we set an example by choosing to speak positively about the church and other church members. 
And so I want to speak edifying, grace-giving, occasion-fitting words, and I want all of us to do the same. But it's not just speech. I mean, as, as examples to the church, we also set an example before other church members with our conduct. What, what kind of church members are we? I mean, a good question to ask if our church were filled with members just like me, what kind of church would we be? What would our weaknesses be? What would our strengths be? If the church were filled with members just like me, what, what would our volunteer list look like? What would our Sunday school teachers look like? What would our financial status be? What would our evangelistic zeal be? What kind of church would it be if you or I were replicated over and over and over? And what type of example are you setting? What kind of example am I setting? Now, thankfully, there are many members and many different strengths given to this church. Right? That's good news. We don't want one church of all of you or all of me. Okay, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of the church. There are many different gifts. And so I'm not asking you to do all things, but I am asking you to ask yourself, what kind of example are you setting for your other church members? And so older church members, what do younger Christians see in your example? Younger members, what do older Christians see in your example? Are you serving? Are you giving of yourself? Are you showing up? These are things that healthy church members do. These are examples that we're to set for one another in the body of Christ. This leads finally to our last point. It's not only in our homes and not only in our church, but healthy church members also lead by example in the community. And so we lead by example in our communities. It's not enough to be in our home and in our church where we need to be leading out there in the community, outside of our home and outside of our church. And just like in other arenas, when we fail to do this, there are significant consequences. You may not be familiar with this situation, but in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, so the church at Corinth is a, a really messed up church. And so Paul writes in this letter addressing all of their concerns and all their issues. And in, in chapter 5, Paul is writing about the situation that's developed there is there is a man who is having a relationship with his mother-in-law, right? So this is immoral, not acceptable, and the church is doing nothing about it. They won't, they won't say, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. They, they're not saying, hey, this is wrong, you need to repent. They're not doing anything about it. So Paul is writing into that situation. And he says that, that there are things happening among you Christians that don't even happen among the pagans outside the church. And he's talking about that specific relationship. But my point is simply to say that when there are people in the church whose reputations are known outside the church as negative or unhealthy, that affects the church. When a church has a negative reputation in the community, that church has lost its ability to witness. It has. They will know you by your fruits. Communities, cities, know churches by their fruit. Maybe you've heard of the church across town or down the street or, or in the, the city where you used to live. I'm not referencing any specific churches, but, but, but go with me here. Maybe you've heard of the church that was known as the angry church. Yeah, every time I talk to someone from that church, they're just angry, angry at everything. Or, or the, the fighting church. Golly, you should see how they talk about each other on Facebook. Like They're always fighting. Or maybe you've heard about the church that was known as the church with the youth pastor who was arrested for sexual abuse of minors. Or maybe churches, yeah, I, I, think, they're, I think that church is prejudiced. Like they, they wouldn't even welcome us into their building because of what we look like. Right? Churches have a way of becoming known by their fruit. Whether it's accurate or not, 
churches are known, especially unchurches, unhealthy churches are known by, by their reputation. And when a church has law, when a church has a negative reputation in the community, that church has lost its ability to, to witness. And so you just need to know the outside world is watching the church. And so as a church, the corporate example that we set is a powerful witness. We have an opportunity to corporately witness to the watching world. We have a chance, especially now, to portray unity, unity in a world that is devoid of unity right now. I mean, think of all the tension and all the division and all the the infighting in, in so many organizations right now, political parties, companies. I mean, there's division everywhere. And we, as a local church, have an opportunity, a chance to shine like a star in a dark world. To shine as a united group of people, countercultural, contradictory to, to what everything else is saying, unique among all other groups and organizations, to shine forth as a diverse yet unified body. I mean, think of the think of the opportunity. So think about com, coming in in October. I mean, now this I don't know if this will happen, but it would be a dream if in our parking lot we had Buttigieg 2020, Trump 2020 parked next to, next to each other, walking in the church together. Can you imagine that? And if you think that's impossible, you need to you need to step back some. Our political allegiance is not what we unify around in this church. And there's no other thing that we unify around save the gospel of Christ. That's what we're united in and everything else we leave at the door if it's going to create division. There's one purpose. There's one purpose and we ought to be united around that purpose. And when we are, the watching world will see something that's different. The glory of God is displayed uniquely in the fellowship of a local church. And so the outside world is watching our corporate witness. But they're also watching our individual witnesses, the example that we're setting as individuals in our community. They're also watching us. And so the question asks is, what, what things do you do as a, a neighbor or a coworker, as a customer or a shopper, as a patient in your doctor's office? What are the things that you do to set an example for those that are around, an an encouraging, a positive example. How do you represent Christ to those around you that don't know him? I mean, ask yourself, how do you respond when things at work don't go your way? How do you respond when you're at a restaurant or in a drive-thru and things are taking entirely too long? Or how do you respond when, when your kids are the ones causing problems at the neighbor's house? How do you talk about the other neighbor down the street? Do you you know your neighbors? Have you ever talked to them? Have you ever tried to get to know your neighbors? Do your neighbors know that you go to church? And I have it easy. Well, what do you do? Well, I I pastor down the church, right? It's easy for me, but, but it's not as easy for you. It's not assumed, well, they go to church. Do they know? Have you talked to them? Have you ever talked with one of your neighbors or your coworkers? or a waiter or a waitress about the most important relationship in your life? Have you ever talked to them about that? It's so easy to stick to small talk, isn't it? I just want them to like me. I'll just talk about the weather, sports, 
Have you talked with them about the most important relationship in your life? You're either leading your neighbors into an interest in Christ or an avoidance of Christ. If they don't know him and you're not talking to them about him, it's probably an avoidance of him. And so what example are you setting for those around you? What are you known for? What are you known for at work or in the neighborhood or at the doctor's office, at the restaurant? How are you known? In fact, just this, a great example. Last Sunday, I went to a funeral of a former church member in Surrey. He's an older guy, and if you knew this guy, he, he wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. I mean, he, he was just an evangelist. He was a Gideon. Um, but, but at the funeral, one of his friends came up, and he said, um, he said, yeah, I just want to share this one thing. Me and, me and this guy we used to always go to the same restaurant. And at this restaurant, when you're regulars, no one called you by your name. Everyone just had a nickname. And so the restaurant staff all had nicknames for all the regulars. And he said, I went in there after, after the friend had passed. One of the waitresses came over, and she said, hey, I heard that Jesus died. What, what a testimony. And this was that guy. That, he was Jesus to them. They knew him so much so that they called him Jesus. I thought, wow, that, that's how I want to go. When I die, I want people to say, yeah, I heard, I heard that Jesus, well, not Jesus, the, the, the God guy died. The Jesus guy died. What a testimony. What, he was known in that restaurant as, as Jesus. I want to be known by that example. And so I just want to ask myself, ask you, what kind of example are you setting? Are you salt and are you light? In all these arenas, in the home and in the church, in the community, I want us to be examples of godliness. I want us to lead people to Christ and to his mercy because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters. Do you know Christ or not? If you do, your life ought to be aimed at helping others know him at being him to others. And if you don't, your life is going to be aimed at any and everything else. The healthy church member longs to see their family members, their fellow church members, and their friends and neighbors all come to know and love Christ because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And so, brother, sister, we're to set an example because Christ has saved us. He saved you. You have new life because of what Jesus has done for you. And you're to lead by example because he loves you and because you love him. We set an example because we love him and we want others to love him also. That's the main thing. And so your love for Christ, my love for Christ, is what I want everyone who knows me to know about me. My kids, my fellow church members, my neighbors, I want them to know what I am about and I do that primarily by the example that I set before them. Let's, let's pray as we close.